Welcome to Automated Mobility, the people behind the wheel. In this podcast series, we get to know the experts working in the field of automated mobility. What drives them and how do they think their work contributes to a better mobility system? I am your host, Henriette Cornet, and I am the coordinator of SHOW, a European project testing automated vehicles in real life. SHOW is led by UITP, the International Association of Public Transport. Together with 70 other partners, we investigate a future where mobility is shared, connected and automated. Today's episode, Joachim Hillebrand from VIF. Joachim, hi. I'm very happy to have you uh, with us uh, today. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, so let me introduce you to the audience. Your name is Joachim Hillebrand. You are team leader embedded systems at VIF. And VIF is a virtual vehicle research. Uh, so if I may start, uh, let's start with embedded systems. What does it mean exactly? So what are you doing uh, at uh, VIF? And maybe after you can tell us directly what, uh, what is uh, VIF. Yes. So maybe I start with embedded systems. Embedded systems are, I would say, yeah, technical systems, um, like small computers in a very small size that are embedded in different uh, industrial systems, also in vehicles, in cars. And uh, as you maybe have heard, uh, nowadays a, yeah, a vehicle consists of up to 70 or even more um, electronic control units and they are embedded systems. Em embedded system consists of some hardware, so some kind of, I would say, chips and uh, on that runs some software in all of them. So it's a small computer, basically embedded system. Okay, and is it uh, necessarily always related to vehicles in your case, considering in that it's the name of VIF is Virtual Vehicle Research? Yes, so our research center, Virtual Vehicle, um, is focusing mostly on automotive, and there is also a certain part for railway systems, but the major part is automotive. But in terms of embedded systems, there's, of course, some similarity. So, yeah. I mean, the basic uh, way of, of setting them up is, is similar everywhere, but of course there are different requirements from the different domains. And more concretely, speaking of your everyday job, what is it? What do you do on an everyday job? What does it mean to be a team leader embedded systems at VIF? And how do you uh, explain your work, for example, to your family or your friends that are not at all familiar with such uh, technical systems? Yeah. So... Um, Actually, we have um, yeah, different uh, research projects that um, cover different um, topics. Uh, most of them are, as said, in the embedded systems area. And uh, yeah, the work is, uh, I would say, it depends on the project. Um, um, first, I'm, I'm leading the group. We have some demonstrators in the, uh, in the company. Demonstrators means we have some vehicle demonstrators um, that are yeah, some vehicles that are equipped with um, yeah, special um, research um, yeah, hardware and software. Like uh, prototypes? Prototypes, yes. And uh, some of them um, yeah, can uh, do some automated driving. So I think that's maybe some of us know us. Uh, we have some prototype demonstrators for automated driving. And they can... Um, 
be used for different research projects uh, to test functionalities. For example, um, what happens if some object is on the road, how does it react, or just um, driving along um, some areas, uh, yeah, something like that. Okay, how many vehicles do you have? So you have fleets or you have few? Or? We have a few vehicles. So um, uh, we have two uh, demonstrators that are uh, changed, I would say, retrofitted uh, passenger cars. Um, they can drive in automated mode. We have also, in addition, uh, some other vehicles that we have built by ourselves, um, like a one small demonstrator car, a, a light vehicle, Uh, that we have um, um, yeah, designed by ourselves with some, some changes. And there are some other vehicles where we, uh, that we use actually for, for sensors. We test sensors on them. So it, it's yeah, different kind of okay. vehicles. But still, I have to admit, for me, it's still not very clear what you do. <laughs> what you do precisely, you go to work in the morning, what do you do? Yeah, so uh, on one hand, uh, as I said, I, I lead the group. So it's a kind of, uh, I would say, yeah, management part of the job. On the other hand, I'm also a project leader in different uh, research projects. So where I'm doing the project management and I would say I'm also doing some part um, on, I would say, smaller part also on a technical uh, work, but that's maybe not too big, I would say. So it's a mix of all of that. And On a daily basis, yeah, it, it's hard to say. There are so many different things always. So, yeah, I think I cannot plan my, my day. It's, yeah, every day is different, I would say. Yeah, depending on what comes and where things yes. are burning yes. <laughs> on the different projects. Um, and how did you uh, end up in this uh, position? I mean, what, what, were, what is your background and how come you are doing this now? Yeah, so I studied electrical and electronics um, engineering in Graz. And after I finished my master's degree, I went to Germany. So I worked for some, actually eight years in Germany. And I was first uh, for four years in a telecommunications area where I worked in some uh, data communications with a mobile phone operator in research. And after that, I changed to a big uh, car manufacturer also in Germany. And after being yeah for eight years uh, there, I was thinking of going back to my home country And since I was working already in the automotive area, so it was a, a very good uh, possibility to go to virtual vehicle. Okay, it was already in this area, like in this uh, in yes. the topic of embedded yes. systems. Actually, I was working in, in data communications within and outside of the vehicles, so very related to it because all the embedded systems, of course, they also need to communicate to each other, so it's very interrelated. And uh, what do you like about this topic? What is uh, I'm thinking, for example, of young people listening to us now. They, they may wonder, okay, what is? Uh, how do you end up there? And what is uh, exciting about this uh, this aspect? Or what what do you like about working in this in this field? Well, I think it's it's very exciting uh, because I think for young people also, it's just like having a lot of computers there, and. The way they so you need to like computers. I think so. I think <laughs> so. Start. And I think this is something. Uh, even in the automobile, it's getting more and more uh, into computer science. You know, in the in the old days, so everything was uh, mechanical engineering, and I think this part is is getting less and less. And you need to have much more knowledge about software, and yeah, so many different uh, control units all having software. So nowadays, I think yeah, a vehicle consists of software. So 
we also have this term software defined vehicle that's now uh, I think coming very very often in in, in the press and in different um, research projects and yeah in the future it will be even more software in the vehicle. And uh, you have a dedicated interest for mobility or is it more really from the, the software perspective or yeah how well from my own interest um, also from my background I think I'm also I'm having some interest in in communications. Um, the way um, how I would say, yeah, these embedded systems communicate to each other, and this uh, includes, for example, the communication within the vehicle. So the the embedded systems are connected to each other via bus systems, uh, but even more, I think, outside of the vehicle. So nowadays, I think uh, there's a lot of um, yeah news about vehicle to X communications. So vehicles talk to each other, and there are different. Um, Standards, I think now already available or under development, how the uh, vehicles can talk to each other. For example, they can talk locally, so vehicles in close proximity, a few hundred meters, or they are connected via the internet as connected cars and uh, also exchange information. Mm-hmm. And, and how does it look like within the vehicle? Which type of information and for for what type of action do you need this communication within the vehicle? Um, there are different... Um, functions of the vehicle. So, for example, if you um, have some some safety system um, that needs to be uh, connected to other... um, Yeah, for example, um, let me think of an example. it's, it's where some you're just your seat belt, for example. Even if you connect your seat belt, this is a signal that is given to other um, electronic control units. That can be uh, can make a difference if you, for example, brake or whatever. So it's it's very nowadays very um, interconnected all the information within the vehicle, and of course for for safety, for example, um, all the new safety systems they they need some interconnection. That's very very important. So independently, if they drive autonomously or not. Yes, independently of that, yes. Okay, let's uh, let's move now. I would like to to touch upon more like your activity in the shop project, which is hosting this uh, podcast. Can you tell us uh, what is the role of uh, VIF in the project um, and also after your personal role? Because I guess you have a bit of a team um, working there. Yes, so the main um, yeah, area in show uh, is twofold. So on one hand, uh, I'm leading the demo site in Graz. So we are planning or we are just now preparing actually uh, some automated uh, service between a transport hub and a shopping center. And here we uh, will do this with two uh, vehicles. And the other uh, part of my activity is the I, I lead the work package for simulations. And in that we are we are simulating um, automated vehicles in different uh, sites throughout Europe. Um, I'm very interested into your simulation work, and I think it will be uh, we will emphasize on that uh, today in this in today's episode. But just a word about the Graz uh, demo site. You mentioned two vehicles in an area, not industrial, but commercial area. Uh, what is special about it, and when will it start? I mean, depending on when the podcast, uh, the episode will come out, maybe people will still have time to try it. Uh, so maybe you can, or maybe it will be in the past. Yeah, it depends <laughs> when they listen to it, but at least that we know uh, which time scale we are talking about. Yes, so now we are in preparation for that service, basically, and it's going to start around summer 2022. And 
we will uh, what is special for that is we really have some kind of setting where we are driving close to lots of people so it's a public transport hub where many people uh, change their buses change to the tram change to the railway and this is something special because normally um, many demonstrators uh, they are located in some areas where there is yeah not many people around or at least no other traffic around and we would like to test uh, how the interaction is with other road users vulnerable road users uh, and how this works um, even in the worst case some vehicles could be blocked and they can stop there and wait until they can continue but this is some interesting um, um, area to cover because um, we would like to yeah that the people are able to connect from public transport to our automated uh, vehicles and that can only be done if they are yeah, driving very closely to that You mentioned the VRU, so vulnerable road users. Uh, which are they in the, uh, typically in this area? Which, uh... Typically, there are pedestrians. Um, normally, we could also say there could be some cyclists, but in this area, there are not so many. So the major case is uh, pedestrians. So people doing their um, grocery like errands over there? Yes, for example, yeah. Um, on the Graz demo site, you will use one of the demonstrators that you have mentioned before, the, the vehicles that you uh, have retrofitted to um, run in an automated way? Yes, so we will use uh, one vehicle of our company, a virtual vehicle. And uh, maybe one specialty there is that we have some kind of software that can run within the vehicle in the same way as we can run it in a computer of the, the vehicle. So this is already um, some kind of first step to simulation. We could also see it as a kind of digital twin because we can run it without the car as well uh, to test it in, in some virtual environment. Okay, okay. But let's not go too fast. Let's get, get step by step. When you say virtual twin, I think we will need to, to dig into that and have more detail. But I think yeah, you made the, the transition uh, very nicely. I suggest we move to the, to the simulation topic. I'm very curious uh, about that. To the audience uh, that is listening to us now, um, there is a nice all-public article already on the show website presenting from a high level um, your work, so what you are doing in show regarding simulation. And for the more uh, experts uh, listening to us, there is also deliverables that are much more detailed where everything can be found. And we will put the two references Uh, in the description of the episode. So you can refer, feel free to refer to it if you wish. Okay, but starting with the very first question, what are simulations or what is simulation? What do you mean with that? I hearing often uh, the term also of modeling. So you need to have a model of an area of a system to run simulation. So can you explain us these two um, concepts? And also uh, directly maybe you can tell us a bit the goals of simulation within the project or What, which questions do you want to answer mm -hmm. uh, with the simulations and the models? Okay, a simulation basically is a, I would say, a model of the real world, an abstraction of the real world. And this also yeah, is the first uh, difficulty because, you know, the real world is very complex. So we need to make some simplifications. And in order to have this uh, such a simulation running in a computer, you need to first uh, yeah, abstract from the real world and to 
really see the most important parts of it. And this is something, if you forget, for example, some important part, then the whole simulation will lead to nothing. Uh, it maybe has wrong results. So that's why it's very important to start from the beginning very accurately with the modeling, basically. Yeah, because you want an image. You exactly. want a virtual image, so to say, of replication of the real life within a computer. We will say later why, so what you do with that, but that's the starting point to really say you have some... Like yes, a kind so you have a virtual um, model in the computer and you can um, simulate it, you can treat it in a way that uh, you can get the results in the same way as you would like to do it in the real world, like you, you avoid some tests for, with it. So that's already one goal. You don't need to do some test drives, for example, with a car, if you have a virtual car in a computer because uh, it's much easier once you have it in the computer. Uh, you avoid a lot of um, rides, long rides, um, costs, for example, uh, are not necessary because you can do it in the, in the computer. Okay. I think we will, we will uh, go into this uh, more into detail after, seeing these different type of scenarios that you can investigate. Um, but what I notice also from these all public articles is you may, there is different type of simulations so and simulators some are some names are coming uh, quite often quite the same simulators but i have the impression many institutes are developing also their own uh, simulators how how do they differ to each other for what purposes uh, are they used and also like um, is it like yeah t tell us a bit the difference between all these uh, yes. models and, uh, and uh, simulators. Yes, you're fully correct. There are lots of different simulators available and most simulators are made for a specific purpose. Um, if you think of like their crash simulators, if you simulate a car crash, this is also one possibility what you could do. You don't need to really crash a car, but you do it in the simulator and you see how it works out. But then that's very specific for one purpose. And there are simulator for, simulators for simulating traffic, for example, for a whole city. And there are simulators for you know, simulating uh, the behavior of vehicles. So the purpose is always very different. And that's already a, a challenge somehow, because if you have a, a setting like we have in the show project, where you would like to demonstrate and show how a fleet of vehicles uh, run in a, in a city, you need different aspects of that all together combined. And um, so you cannot take one simulator, but you can maybe only take some aspects of one simulator or maybe you combine the simulators to each other. And this is what we are working on. And um, yeah, in the show project, we have um, different demo sites and we, we will uh, simulate different demo sites also virtually in the computer with different simulation tools even. Okay, so meaning different simulators address different granularity of like of details so you can look at pedestrians you can look at cars or you can look at some more higher level correct? yes exactly and so, uh, but why not using the most detailed simulator why not using the one on a very very uh, small level like my microscopic yeah, um, uh, maybe first to explain, there is the word microscopic and macroscopic. Um, this is, uh, there are some uh, terms for traffic simulation, which also means traffic simulation, uh, simulation of vehicles. So this already somehow excludes the simulation of pedestrians because there's a different area, what we're also doing actually. Um, microscopic simulators are simulators that simulate all the individual cars separately. So one car is is one 
I would say in the simplest form, a dot in, in the computer that moves around the, a map within the, the city. A macroscopic simulator is even one level higher that goes to uh, higher, like the whole city area, and that does not treat uh, individual vehicles anymore, that tre treats the whole traffic flow. You can imagine it's like a water tap where you turn on the water and you see how the water flows around some crossroads somehow, like this way. It's, but it's not looking at the individual vehicles anymore. And this is necessary because there are too many cars. And yeah, it's, it needs a lot of processing powers. It's, it's a different approach, but this is also uh, a valid approach to, to have good results in a bigger area. Okay, so it's a matter of performance. Yes, of, it's... Of being able, like, if you have yeah, too many individual vehicles, you cannot calculate um, so many situations or, or scaling up. Yes, yes. So these are the, I mean, the two distinctions between micro and macro mobility, um, traffic simulators. There's also something what we do, um, the simulation of uh, individual vehicles. So we simulate one vehicle when it drives along uh, a road. So it's always the ego vehicle um, and the whole environment. So we simulate um, movements of the uh, vehicle Uh, what happens if some pedestrians cross and so on. But in that case, it's different again, as I said. Yeah, the vehicle is always in the center. One vehicle is in the center. And apart from that, there are simulations for pedestrians. That's another yeah, type of simulations. And how do you combine them together? I, uh, it sounds to me a bit complicated. Like, how, how can you make them work all together? Yeah, um, well, there is no unique way to combine them. There's different uh, ways um, one way of combining them is by using so-called co-simulation. So this is a, I would say, if you have two simulators for different purposes, you can couple them with a third um, tool. That's the co-simulator. So the third one, the co-simulator takes care of connecting the two simulators. Um, and you can, of course, do <laughs> you it. You have an extra simulator to connect the simulators. It's a kind of that. And it's not only for two, you can extend it uh, for many of them. So, and this is something, um, that's what actually, actually we also follow in our research center. We have developed an own uh, co-simulation tool um, that is now even being marketed together with uh, AVL and it's called Model Connect. And this is capable of yeah, connecting different simulators. And the, yeah, I would say the feature of that is that you can really run these simulators at the same time simultaneously. So they exchange information when it runs. And this is very important to have an accurate simulation. Um, and speaking now about, the, um, I would say, the validity of, of all these simulations, how can you be sure that it is replicating correctly uh, the behaviors of cars? Um, of When I'm thinking of automated vehicles, since they are controlled by computer, I would say maybe it's easier. I don't know. I'm not sure. You can tell me, tell us. Uh, but if it's uh, manually driven cars, it's, it sounds to me very complicated to, to model this and to simulate this on a, on a valid way. Yes, for manually driven cars, I mean, if you have a simulation, you need to model the real world. And modeling means also you need to model the person, the human person, the behavior. So this model is then taken from some behavior of, of a typical person, reaction times, uh, there's different uh, characteristics of that in that. And which can be which type of data can you collect to feed this simulation and uh, and reproduce behavior so where where is the data coming from so 
the data um, could come from different, uh, I would say, uh, research centers or universities that really take care of the person itself. So they model the person. Um, you mean the individual vehicle? In the, in the, like like a driver. If you would mm -hmm. like to know what a driver, uh, how it, he reacts, like reaction times, for example. So this is, could be if you think of an individual driver or if you think of, of a, a fleet of vehicles or a whole city, then of course it can come from the city. Um, there's different sources of this kind of um, yeah, data. So when you have uh, your simulators ready, you're di at different uh, levels, like microscopic and so on, and you are building them uh, for sure, or you are not all of them, but you are connecting them from the different uh, research institutes in the project. Um, what can we do with that concretely in the project? Uh, if you could give some concrete examples of questions that we can answer that could not take place in real life, some things that for and tell us also why not in real life and what it is why is it better in the show project to do it in the uh, with the simulators? Yes, so one reason is uh, upscaling, so we can simulate many many vehicles uh, and that's something we cannot do with real cars because they are just too expensive. Uh, we have only small fleets available in the pilots. Yeah, talking about really the automated vehicles that are not so, uh, there are not so many on the, on exactly, the market. Exactly, so I think at the moment with real vehicles, we cannot really test how it, the whole city would look like with 1,000 vehicles or 10,000 vehicles. And this is something we would like to, uh, these answers we would like to uh, investigate what it will um, look like with the simulation. And which, uh, in terms of which impact do you, are you looking at, for example, um, when, you scaling, when you scale up, what are you looking at? For example, the traffic flow. So what's the capacity of some roads? Because uh, the automated vehicles, they will for sure behave differently than manually driven vehicles. So as, as you can think of, uh, there's a speed limit in a, in a certain road in the city, like 50 kilometers per hour. And normal people, maybe they will drive like 50 or some will drive 60, whatever, a little bit more. But the automated vehicle, they will always follow a strict uh, rule. So they will all drive maximum 50 exact or maybe something less, depending on the, the environment, I would say. But overall, I think the behavior of a large number of vehicles is, is very different. And I think you know this from like a, a motorway. If there are traffic jams on a motorway, then um, when traffic jams build up, so there's a own behavior in that uh, with normal manual driven vehicles. And this kind of behavior might look different with automated vehicles if you have a, a lot of them. Yeah, and you compare, I guess, with manually driven, how does it look like? And after with automated vehicles, and you can make a, a rate, maybe, okay, imagine half of them are automated vehicles, of, uh, and so on, you can play, exactly. I guess, with simulations. So there, there are some parameters where you can play with, uh, like you said, uh, the, the factor of mixed traffic. So you can say between zero and 100%, uh, what does it look like? Um, what is the optimal speed, for example? Um, so maybe there's a different kind of optimal speed in the city for automated vehicles. Um, in order, I mean, if you have a, a lot of um, uh, traffic, for example, maybe it's a, a slower speed is giving more throughput. Uh, that could be, and, but this, this question will answer. And uh, you mentioned also the term, um, so there is also the topic of uh, safety. Um, so from the, from the, the articles that I mentioned earlier, uh, you say we can test it up front. So we can test before situations that could be dangerous uh, in real life. Uh, what does it mean concretely? Which, which situations uh, do you have in mind? 
um, you can test um, situations like if you have some crossroads and some car is coming from the side and how the reaction will be. Um, what is the latest uh, time when the, the, some emergency braking uh, takes place, for example? Um, there you can test reactions if, if there's a crowd of people. Uh, there's many different scenarios you, you can think of. There's a catalog of scenarios we are thinking of, and this is the, the benefit out of it of the simulations there. Um, regarding the validation of uh, of your model, so how can you be sure that your simulations results are correct and that what is simulated in your simulator in the model replicate really the, the reality? Yeah, so we have the real vehicles uh, in the uh, show um, pilot and we have the simulation in the computer. And uh, yeah, so one actually validates the other. So it's it's somehow this, the, uh, the simulation validates the real vehicles and the real vehicles validate the simulation. Um, just I would like to say a word about um, from these simulators, uh, you have an interface, like a visualization, right? What, what role does it play, the visualization of it? Um, is it for you something, uh, something uh, very central in the whole modeling? Or why not going only with uh, data and uh, I would say Excel forms and whatever you use for, for, for simulation? Yeah, the visualization is an important point because there are different um, yeah, uh, details of that, I would say. Um, on one hand, you can, for example, simulate a vehicle that is driving around a, a street and the whole environment is not there actually in the computer. So it's just black. Uh, so in order to do that, for example, to, to simulate the movements of the vehicle, this is okay. But I think it's, 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 if something is missing from the environment, uh, you can imagine this is not the reality. So then you need to add something more the in reality. And then it really soon gets very complex. For example, if you have some trees around, if you have all the details, uh, maybe you know this from like computer games. So you can model the whole uh, environment in a very detailed way, which also needs then a lot of processing power. And it, it models the reality better. But of course, if you think what... What is it? Is it important to model a tree close to a, a road? I mean, for driving, it's not important. But you have sensors, actually, and the sensors sense the environment, like a LiDAR sensor. And this, the light rays, of course, go also to the, the leaves of a, a tree. And this is something important. And I think you need to have the right balance here, where you start and where you stop for the simulation. I mean, in order to show it to a person, of course, the best... Uh, um, um, environment is, 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 is good to show it as a reality, but I think in order to validate the vehicle functions, it's not always necessary to have everything in full uh, detail. Is there anything you want to add on the simulations uh, topic specifically? In show, why is it important? Uh, or what are the challenges? Maybe a word about it. And do you have any specific challenges? Because uh, I'm thinking of all the simulators that exist and it could be complicated to combine or is it difficult to get the data or where, where, where are the struggles? Well, um, I think you already mentioned um, different simulators. That is actually a, a challenge because there are so many different simulators and many simulators have their own data format. They are not really compatible to each other and many simulation approaches work in a way that they always are focused on one simulator and all the other simulators are around. But So every company does it in a different way. So this is really a, a difficult um, way and I, I would say there is no standardized uh, data exchange between simulators. There, Of course, there is some standards available, 
but this only works to a certain part for the simulators and especially if you would like to combine uh, different simulators for pedestrians, for micro-simulation, macro-simulation, then you soon hit uh, some borders and it, it doesn't work then anymore and you need to fill these gaps uh, uh, with some kind of um, data format for, for the project by itself. And are you aware of, um, of activities going towards more standardizations of data format for specifically for simulation? Uh, there are some uh, activities, but we, we do not cover them at, at the moment in the show project. That could be maybe something where we um, could do some uh, follow-up activities on. Um, at the moment, we have many different simulators because we are also trying uh, different uh, pilot sites uh, with different simulators. So this is also some kind of uh, comparability then see, to see how uh, one simulator performs in one site and how another simulator performs in another site. Okay, I see. So, yeah, I can, I can see how complex all these different aspects of simulations are and mostly how um, the, the merging of all these aspects together so that you, we can answer, like you, <laughs> actually, you can answer the research question behind the, behind the project. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I can see the complexity of that, I guess, uh, the audience uh, as well. Um, to conclude, I would like to ask you, coming up again, so to say, to a higher level again, about your uh, the field of um, the topic automated mobility. You know the, the title of the of the podcast. Uh, what is your personal motivation for working in this field? And um, are you imagining imagining a, um, a world later where there is only automated vehicles, or how does it look like in your in your ideal version of uh, of a city, for example? And uh, yeah. Please tell us about yeah, it. I think automated mobility will play a big role in the future, but maybe that is different than uh, what most people expect. I, I think there will still be some kind of uh, manual-driven um, cars there, so there will be a mix. So everything automated, I think that will not be the future. That's at least what I uh, expect. Um, there will be some kind of um, scenarios and, and markets where automated mobility will be very, very good, uh, like on the motorway to drive from one uh, point to the other one. This is, I think, an easy scenario that I think in the future will be much more uh, available. You just uh, enter the motorway and press a button and drive 200 kilometers to your target. And there are certain, uh, I would say, um, yeah, use cases for like uh, logistics uh, that is very, very um, in need for automated mobility, I would say. Um, you, you mean for delivering parcels? Delivering parcels, um, especially uh, as you've heard, all the truck drivers, are in, there are not many uh, available now in Europe and it's getting uh, more severe, I think, the situation. So there must be something that should um, yeah, fulfill this gap. And I think in depending on the type of traffic, if you drive um, on long distances, I think automated mobility will uh, particularly uh, play a, a big role. What I also think is, uh, especially in cities, uh, automated mobility will uh, give a big contribution because cities in the future, I think, will definitely look different than today. Also because of all the um, environmental issues, uh, having the, a green aspect here, I think uh, cities will be forced to change their, um, their mobility uh, in general. So maybe many... Um, uh, roads in city centers will be closed for, for public traffic and they will only allow um, like bicycles or, or pedestrians. Um, 
and automated mobility, I think, would be preferred in some areas. So they they will have a benefit, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, to have less private cars in the city, yes. uh, manually driven, uh, at least uh, in the cities. Yeah, but it's it's difficult to see the future, but at least automated mobility will play some role in it. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's that's also what uh, what mm, yeah all all the experts working on this field uh, are are saying. And uh, let's hope for the, the the best future for the cities with this technology that the technology will really serve the citizen and uh, like uh, yeah if it is for personal mobility or for goods, uh, so that cities can become more more livable and more comfortable. Thank you, Joachim, for this exchange. Thank you for uh, being with us today. And uh, we keep in touch for the project and uh, I will put the, the references about what we mentioned, the deliverables and uh, the link to your uh, research institute in the description of the episode. Thank you for the talk. It has been a pleasure for me. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Automating Mobility, the people behind the wheel. This podcast would not have been possible without the support from the Horizon 2020 program by the European Commission under the grant agreement number 875530. Check out the links for the show project and other references in the description of the episode and subscribe to our newsletter to stay tuned. Don't hesitate to share this episode or give us feedback to it. My name is Henriette Cornet from UITP and I hope to see you at our next episode.